Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Children, hi. <laughs> What's up? Same old I was making sure there wasn't a weird echo. I heard the music, but I think it was just oh, yeah. me screwing it up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good? I don't know. We're good. But, we're good. Uh, if you could help me with a new method to uh, to hack Gmail's, because uh, <laughs> you started the HTML's, but oh yeah. So <laughs> that that method is old. Uh, the one that you were using, and I oh. suggest that you. Learn Google uh, DNS rejacking, and um, oh god, you might learn a new thing or two about um, how to exploit uh, every social media account. Yeah, it helps uh-huh. replaces the whole coding HTML thing. Yeah, no, uh, don't do that. That's, that's what that's old school. Okay, that's uh, old school. <laughs> it's all about this DNS rejacking. Rejacking, man, that's where it goes. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to Subcrowd, uh, episode four of season two. Uh, how is everybody doing? Good, good. Real good. Tired. <laughs> tired, huh? We have really tired. Retired. I was tired yesterday and I'm tired again today. Had to do a, a non DEFCON related Vegas trip. So Ooh. sorry. And uh, all of the had to be a DJ for like three straight days and it was it really took it out of me. <laughs> Anyone else do uh, fun stuff this weekend? Uh, work and what is it? Uh, decoded a bunch of uh, app Chinese Apple phishing pages and got uh, got a shout out by some like security researcher that I follow. That's sick. Nice. Very fun. Yeah, I was dancing with that stuff that you were doing. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's, uh, it's real fun work. Yeah, some security, the security researcher was like, hey, this guy does some great work. Hire this guy. I agree. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, I finally knocked off this challenge on uh, that I'd been left lying around on the Pentest Lab that was a uh, nice. uh, private key recovery from uh, ECDSA. And uh, yeah, that was, that was very painful because I'm, I'm not fantastic at math specifically cryptography cryptography is actually hard um yeah. and that's to rq for looking at my math and telling me that it's the wrong operator you dickhead 
<laughs> You're using the wrong maths. That is the wrong maths. That is not going to solve the problem. Like, oh, okay, sweet. Let's oh, see. God. Yeah. <laughs> maths. I saw something where it's like, why do why do British people call it maths? It's like, well, because it was called mathematics. Like, <laughs> oh, that's actually cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that is uh, that's good. Good bombshell right there. <laughs> well, it, it it was it was mostly like some joke between like uh like British and Amer and Americans. So it's like Americans like her her. It's called math, and it's like and the British person's like uh, uh no, it's maths because it's mathematics. <laughs> uh, I, like my favorite is uh aluminium or aluminum as Americans would call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of, uh, good ways to uh, detect where somebody's from. Well, yeah. What's funny though is uh, in Australia, nobody gives a shit because, uh, well, I mean, we say aluminium, but generally everyone's from everywhere. So, right. we know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I want to do a quick announcement um, while we are starting out here. So, we're doing, uh, we've, been, we've been toying with this idea for a bit. And we are gonna just kind of go with it, I guess, because we've been <laughs> we've all been talking about it a bunch. So I guess we just put it out there now. So we're gonna be doing um, the. If you guys remember last year, we did the charity stream for Extra Life, which is a uh, a charity for Children's Miracle Hospital Network. Oh, and sick! They, they do a bunch of really cool stuff, um, helping you know kids with diseases it's just it's just a very good it's a it's a good thing for, for helping infrastructure of uh of an important organization and so last year we raised uh, over three thousand dollars and we all just sort of streamed different uh ctf challenges and we let everybody in the chat um you know hack a server through twitch chat which was a lot of fun oh um, i saw that so, yeah no it was, a, it was a really fun time so this year we're going to be doing something a little bit different but we're going to be doing the same um charity work again we're gonna be doing an IoT CTF. So what that is, is it's going to be, essentially, um, it's gonna be some teams that are going to be able to have a C2 and try to hack as many uh, vulnerable like uh, IoT or ICS devices that we can emulate in uh, a virtual network uh, in a 24 hour period of time. We'll have some other interactive stuff as well. Um, for players or people in the in the chat, um, but we'll be streaming that. It'll be a death match of who can uh, take over the most uh, vulnerable devices, and um, pretty much everything is in scope as long as is within the VPC. Besides DDoSing, because that's annoying, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, we'll have more details on it, but we we really need to uh, kind of hash it out with some people um, who would want to talk with us about it. So basically, we need people that are competent with. Um, like Terraform and Ansible for provisioning infrastructure. Um, we're gonna try to we're gonna try try to work with an AWS and hopefully not get some cease and desist letters. Uh, maybe oh they can give us a little bit of a break here. Add um, it to the collection. But <laughs> we'll, we'll need to do an, inf an infrastructure team. So if you are somebody who is super into uh, you know Terraform, Ansible, um, you know CloudFormation, any sort of like uh, infrastructure stuff where you're provisioning um, massive amounts of nodes very quickly. Um, and uh, effectively, uh, we need you um, to help us for volunteer stuff. Um, we also need people who are competent at working with um, virtualization and containers. So if you are into Docker and QMU um, and just containerizing everything, um, we really need you for the virtualization team. 
because um, we're going to be virtualizing some vulnerable firmware images and storing them in um, or running them in Docker containers um, for people to hack. And then we also need people who are competent with working with um, with code, uh, both Go and C, um, to help us work on um, the C2 servers as well as the bot agents and the infrastructure of how the bots are going to connect back to the game server. So we have a big plan of how this is going to go out. But if you are interested in helping out with this, just DM at ThugCrowd on Twitter, and we can um, invite you to our chat about this. So we're going to be trying to make it a more structured thing. Um, we're gonna need a lot of people to help because there's a lot of stuff that's gonna go into it. Um, but we should be able to get, uh, I think a good amount of buy-in from people. And um, it'd definitely be interesting for, for researchers and people who wanna see how people actually develop exploits on IoT and uh, ICS devices um, and who We'll, we'll give the, it will it'll be interesting for those researchers as well as anybody who actually wanted to like hit the scary looking PLC they found on Shodan, but never actually want to touch it in real life. Uh, now's your chance. So we'll uh, have information about registering as a team, but right now we just need people to help with the uh, infrastructure part. So again, at ThugCrowd, we need infra, virtual edition, and uh, low-level bot teams. So thanks. Um, that's my big announcement for the day, I guess. Uh, have anybody any questions on this? just want to say I think it's going to be pretty awesome. That's, we'll that's, really, that's really cool of you guys. I think it's going to be fun being able to uh, hit those ICS boxes or hit those, those firmwares and uh, have it hard crash and go into what would normally be an unrecoverable state and, uh, and continue, which is one of the reasons why you <laughs> don't touch those things because they break real easy. They do break very yeah. easily. I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a good opportunity for people to play around with stuff that they normally would never want to play around with. I mean, I definitely always want to play around with it. I just shouldn't. So, yeah. <laughs> Correct. That's more what I mean. Is You don't want to touch it. Please don't touch anything like that in real life. But mm -hmm. we know a lot about what people are doing with it and want to be able to understand it and let people sort of, uh, you know, let the put their hair down just uh skin <laughs> it up also if you uh if you're having problems with the challenge you will be able to donate anyway yes <laughs> so we'll have we'll have more stuff like that too as far as infrastructure for interacting with the chat and also you know maybe potentially buying a a, a hint might have a black market of exploits who knows but <laughs> we'll see um, you know, we're going to have to virtualize hack forums too. This is crazy. Um, oh, geez. Oh, God. All right. Um, but yeah, let's get into the news. So um, I'm sure everybody here has their thing here. Uh, this is the U.S. Department of FUD uh, has, has kindly given us some of their infrastructure for um, posting our news, our news this week. Um, yeah, let's uh, get right into it. So um, the first one here is pretty uh, interesting. And this headline, I wasn't exactly sure because it's more of like a theoretical thing, but it's, uh, I guess, being actually used. And it's being used also by stuff in our, uh, called similarly in the Goodreads um, research by uh, Amit. Um, yeah, people had figured out a way to um, spoof uh, wireless emergency alerts, um, which can send out Amber alerts, presidential alerts, and uh, other sorts of um, extreme safety uh, alerts to uh, phones that are connected to the tower. Um, I mean, the, the thing that got me about this is like the, the headline is super clickbaity. It's like it sends it's it out to a stadium. Baby. 
Yeah, and you read yeah. through it and it's like, no, they sent it to like a couple of devices and it's like caged and whatever. Um, yep. The other thing is because it's caged is probably one of the reasons why it actually falls back to this system, which is uh, CMAS, like um, commercial mobile alert system. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's meant for like three things, like uh, alerts issued by the, the president or higher authority of a geolocation. So... Um, and then for imminent threats to safety or life. So I guess if there's a fire, if, you know, if you're in California and you're surrounded by fire, they can send you a thing that says, Hey, you're surrounded by fire. If you didn't notice. Um, and then Amber alerts or child abduction emergencies, which is interesting because that's when, uh, I guess it can sort of go like not so much sending out messages, say, Hey, there's a nuke coming. Um, but messages like, uh, you know, look out for this person or something something like that which um based on like as a being a proximity based attack i guess it's uh we you know manipulate environments in the immediate vicinity i guess um plasma brings up something i'm not familiar with um he says don't towers have a p2p system for eas uh i think if a tower misbroadcasts others will repeat it uh for this i think i don't know I think this system as well, I'm not sure if CMS actually is targeted from its direct proximity or if it actually, or if it will propagate. And the other thing is, I'm not sure that, uh, it doesn't actually specify if the, if the devices were connected to the peered towers because uh, like the peered cells, because they were doing it in a cage, which is why I speculate, you know, the cage causing the fallback, but um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely interesting though to see this sort of stuff just coming out. Um, yeah. It'll continue to come out because LTE and other things like this are standards that are difficult to change in, at scale. So if you do find a bug or some way to spoof and do different attacks on LTE networks, um, they'll be there for a bit. Yeah, it also wasn't 100% success rate either, is what they found. But it was pretty mm -hmm. high. It was like in the 90s, I believe. Yeah. So that, that's pretty good. That's, you know, if um, if everyone around you gets an alert message and you don't, you start to just go, well, like, I, I guess the 10 people around me got it. Yeah. They'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Faking when presidential they start alerts. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I, I love those. Um, it just reminded me of those, like when when Trump sent out the presidential alert, like a few months ago, and all of like the the ones that are just like you up and just the presidential. <laughs> it's like what's gonna happen? It's gonna be like yeah, send like, nudes. Like, is anyone up? NBA Chancy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Mm. I, yeah, it could be interesting though. I think uh, if say you could perform this on a red team engagement and you're in a building that was shielded. So there's, you know, if you're in one of those buildings, that doesn't have uh, the, the LTEs inside. Um, and you did take in a femto and, and sent this kind of thing out, you know, you can send out a message, for example, like everyone has to evacuate the building or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which would make things a lot easier for you because nobody's in the building while you are. So, I mean, there's, there's different ways that this could be used for, uh, legitimate engagements as opposed to tactical ship posting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's worth noting uh, also that in the paper and like in the abstract, they say that they used like commercially available SDRs. Uh, they modified open source, like uh, 
libraries and uh, that the 50,000 mark was um, reached with four different base stations. Yeah, it was either like a usurp or a blade RF, which, yeah. 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 Your blade RF would be my guess. I mean, they're pretty cheap. Um, I think they mentioned usurps, but blade RF would be like the cheap way for full duplex. Yeah, about 600 bucks, and it does LTE uh, with onboard FPGA and stuff. It's pretty good. Just yeah. in case anybody wanted to build their own femtos for legitimate purposes. <clears throat> Hell yeah. Um, speaking of building your own things, uh, this Raspberry Pi that was used to hack NASA, um, pretty cool. <laughs> Not just hardware.com oh, has an absurd amount of ads. And all the ads on the page are all the same exact ad. I have a left and right sidebar ad, a giant top ad, and then uh, a, like a sub, like a, it's like half the page is another ad, and it's all for the same thing. And then there's a bottom banner ad, and it has the same thing on it as well. It's absolutely unacceptable. And that <laughs> ad is for higher. Dollar VPN Club. Yes, free <laughs> dollar. Well, yeah, to Dollar VPN Club real quick. Um, they were suspended. Dollar VPN Club, uh, our our beloved sponsor. By Twitter for copyright infringement. So, oh. yeah. Damn. <laughs> oh, don't think of like nobody start any other dollar clubs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it can only be one dollar club. It, it was one. weird because I saw that the uh, Dollar Shave Club followed Dollar VPN Club, and then like two days later, they were just banned. I think that's you know called what? stalking. That's cyber stalking. You know what? I think that there there are a lot of L's in Dollar VPN Club that can be masqueraded as I or I's that can be masqueraded as L's. So I think that it can realistically never stop. Yeah, so. I think uh, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, there should be a fight to the death for all copyright infringement cases. Like, or you know, patent whoever holds patents. If you want someone's patent, you fight them to the death in a cage match. Like uh, a cage thing. match uh, sponsored by Steakums. Right. It's like uh, racing for pinks, right? Like that's it. Yeah, racing for pinks, and not in the DG method, but you know, <laughs> they could just go dollar dollar, dollar VPN club. Wait, what did you say? I said they could just go with dollar dollar VPN club. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> I like dollar dollar fake Amber Alert club. It's pretty good as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this next one here um, is about uh, a Raspberry Pi that was put in NASA's uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And somehow, from April 2018 to, uh, like, now, they only got, like, 500 megabytes of data. Or what is it? Well, they did. It was megabytes, 500 megabytes. But they were targeting specific mission data, apparently. But this is nothing new. And there's, there's... I see two things about this one that I love and one that I hate. The one that I love is the JPL is still getting smashed like this long later. Like it's still going, like people are still targeting JPL. And the thing that I hate is that they use the Raspberry Pi because the, you know, I just hate that's, that's people's go-to Dropbox is like the most obvious thing that everybody knows what it is. I don't know. Yeah. That's why it's so good though. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody brings in a Raspberry Pi and plugs it into the network and the network admin is just like, what are you doing? Like, why didn't they do that? That's a good question. Yeah. But apparently the new uh, the new Raspberry Pi, the the Pi 4, I think, is going to be running the the newest version of uh, Debian that's going to be coming out next month. Nice. Yeah, Buster. Yep. 
Do you uh, do you think that this is just one giant Raspberry Pi um, and Toy Story Four tie-in? This this whole hack? (laughs) (laughs) It can only be (laughs) next level marketing. It's inconceivable. I I think I think there's more to the story that's not. I mean, there's obviously a lot more that's not being publicized. But like, Mm -hmm. what what is the deal with this Raspberry Pi? Do they have it in a in a vulnerable part of their network or something, or did it get compromised along the way? There's so many questions. Yeah, was it compromised uh, or was it planted? I believe it was compromised from looking at this somewhere um, because they it had been on the network for some time. Looked like somebody had brought it in and it got popped. Um, But I mean, if you're doing network asset discovery, like Raspberry Pi prefix is pretty obvious. You should look at your networks layer two. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they named it a Roku device name and it was just by the uh, break room. Yeah, they were, they were pirating Crunchyroll off of it and then just suddenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> open a lick. It was <laughs> named <laughs> Anime Box. No one wanted to unplug it. <laughs> it's too important. <laughs> I, I think a good takeaway from this is if you think it's a good idea to take anything into your workplace and plug it into the work network, just don't. That's, Please don't. Yeah, and if you see somebody who's plugging in a Raspberry Pi at work, just be like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> it's like Dave's quote-unquote anime box. <laughs> yeah. Hard. <laughs> yes. Um, yo, so the next one here, um, pretty cool. Uh, 20,000 Linksys routers are the key history of every device ever connected. Oh, god, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a feature to me. Well, what's crazy about this is that not all these Linksys routers from this era are running DDWRT, but uh, that's separate, it's like the prime time for the uh, for, you know custom firmware images. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you would expect, I guess, something like this to happen, but it's it's just a matter of, like, I guess, how can this information be used? I mean, does anybody have any specific sort of things that they would be worried about specifically about this sort of thing happening? And then it... I mean, this is just like an... Ex- you would look at this as, like, an extension of Wiggle, right? So if you imagine mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you get someone's MAC address from... If they say, just say they post a screenshot or whatever um, that contains their Mac on their LAN, and then you know it's leaking out. I yeah, guess. it's it's just decentralized, right? And this is what we're talking about last week: decentralization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, as well, like the these are pretty old routers as well. Like if you're still running an old router, maybe look at upgrading. Like it might still work, but doesn't mean it should stay there. When you see people hopefully, with routers, you know. Yeah. Hopefully none of those routers are the AC1750. <laughs> I have to say I really like the the image of the guy on the on the top of the page. Just like this navy guy getting hosed down. I feel like that needs to be reused in every article about a leak <laughs> of any kind. Yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. But um I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, the, these devices are probably, you know, going to end up in Mirai at oh, some point no. when someone figures out how to write, you know, the, how to port exploits. Yeah, it is uh, interesting um, 
that 25,000 devices were leaking 756,000 unique MAC addresses. So it's like, that's a, that's a pretty wild number. Yeah. Although I guess when you talk about like coffee shops, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of these could be placed in, you know, public places, mm -hmm. uh, public networks. Absolutely. I wonder what the correlation is like between clients. Like, you know, if you see someone going between uh, their their work and their coffee play, their coffee shop or their coffee shop mm -hmm. in their home or their friends' houses, yeah. stuff like that. For so sure. Were the actual uh, router MAC addresses from week two? Because you could probably look them up on like a war driving map and see where they were. That's yeah, true. I, that's, I was thinking about the different ways in which this data could be used to actually you know provide some insight into some sort of tracking of some sort you know i mean this sort of stuff is sort of analytics between like you know networks between websites all sorts of things like that those are all things that are commonly used by people to track others so yeah it's definitely interesting to see if this data would be scraped and leveraged in some way um but that's up to the viewers yeah if you are uh, oh, in rana sorry show Oh no! I was gonna say there is a if people like like this kind of thing. There's an interesting talk uh, called "Stalking a City for Fun and Frivolity," which deals with kind of this exact same stuff of setting up a, a bunch of boxes in different places, a bunch of Raspberry Pis, and then tracking around MAC addresses from place to place and being able to map them uh, in a, like by having these boxes call back. Oh, for crying out loud! Oh no! Yeah, and then like some note to that is that. Uh, Device like cell phones now do Mac or can do Mac address randomization when connecting to networks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so when uh, iPhones are in scan mode, they're, they're uh, rotating Macs at that point as well. Jesus. So they're yeah. uh, so they're less trackable, but I mean I don't know who else is doing that. But with Apple watches, you know, smartwatches and stuff like that, Bluetooth um, Macs are just like splattered out onto the air everywhere you go. Um, there was a project someone did. Where they got the same train every day, and uh, they tracked Bluetooth MAC addresses with an Ubertooth when they got on and off trains. Uh, just as a project, it's just all off the air stuff. But yeah, I think, it looks uh, like mine's it, vulnerable or whatever. Mine's affected. Great. With, uh, actual routers, <laughs> like <laughs> so. Your, your current router, your updated router now, like is probably managed via your ISP with like TRC like TR-069 as a protocol. And uh, it can push firmware updates and scrape stuff out of it as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I bought this from Best Buy, so. <laughs> oh, well. It's the default, uh, like usually the uh, routers that come from ISPs are gonna be managed with TR-69. So like a lot of the this data can be pulled from them over that protocol anyway, by the token. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's wild. Right. <clears throat> But uh, let's go to the next story here. Um, pretty cool. Walmart uh, is rolling out some AI to prevent checkout death. Oh, AI drink. Welcome to Walmart. They have, uh, they have done quite a bit, I guess, to just track whether or not people are scanning items and or miss scanning items. Um, and yeah, they're just going for it, I guess. It's <laughs> it seems like a little bit of overkill um, to avoid paying a worker to just be there. Um, uh, so do you, know? you think that uh, they're using the same surveillance footage that they're already, like, you know, keeping anyway? I, I don't know. Maybe they're training on that. I mean, I, I, they, I, they must be training on that. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it would have to also correlate somehow with the the you know individual POS that is being um, something scanned into. Um, right. So interesting to see how that sort of like model actually works and how they actually end up doing. Yeah, that. this this article like activates my rant trap card every time. So this <laughs> this know. stuff is there's no way that there's there's not going to have like a million false positives. There's just yeah. no way. They're going to have to develop some kind of like specialized monitoring capability. Like they're going to have they're going to have to have new cameras installed at every one of these check-in lanes for sure. I don't think they can use what they have existing. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's it's going to be a mess, at least yeah. during during the initial rollout. They may make it better as time goes on, or they may just throw it all away. Like I don't I just don't like seeing people jump on this band this particular bandwagon so quickly because the technology, I'm not sure that it's ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> And there's always like uh, cases where like this probably won't detect someone who's like slapping fake barcodes on things and that kind of stuff. Like uh, you know, there's always going to be plenty of ways to get around this that the vision itself just can't get around. But yeah. below hanging, I guess people who are shoplifting probably aren't you know uh, <laughs> taking it that far. But I mean, I it's pretty easy to go on the uh, you know various websites, figure out the weight. Of the devices, I mean, or the the um the items that you want to steal, and then you print out the barcode of it. You might even be able to print it out online at home, um, and then just slap a label onto something of the same weight, but is smaller or less price. You know? Yeah. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the barcode readers as well have configuration codes that you, you can scan, and it will change the operation of the reader. That's true. Especially, <laughs> so really yeah. cool to talk about that. I want to find a lot of times when you go to these self checkouts, it does this thing where it, like it tries to sense like your bag to see if like you're bringing your own bag. But if you just like lift the bag off the sensor, then it asks for the attendant to put on their code. You can usually just watch them put on the code. So someone who's dedicated enough to actually like fuck with the POS system for the self checkouts could probably get into it. Oh yeah, and there's also like mag spoof, and as for, also with the weight thing. Uh, you don't even have to like obviously slide it over on the actual thing since it you know the optical scanner you just have something of generally the same shape and size. So this is our shoplifting segment, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I think what would, would be an interesting correlation would like say this technology works, which we've just, I think we've we're pretty much decided that it's probably not going to work. Um, say it does work, what would be interesting is. Uh, tracking the cards that were used for people who consistently miss scan items, so you could you know correlate yeah again following the money trail um, as as very common um, technique to to find people. If someone's not paying for certain items, but they paid for other items, and there's you know a payment associated, whose card is it? Pretty seems pretty scary when you sort of start to abstract it out. Well, then then you get into some really dangerous territory which I also have pretty strong opinions about, which is like how, okay, what is that based on? Because the, the, kinds of, um, the kinds of logic that you're working with, the underlying technology relies on all kinds of things that are really, really hard to determine. It's very black boxy. So it's very easy to say like, I wanna select for this one particular thing in my AI, and then you get all kinds of other crap that just gets in there and you don't even really like realize it until you go back and look at the results. But I mean, if you actually audit the results, which not everybody does, so you could really easily end up with a system that profiles people based on all kinds of different factors that you didn't 
want to select for, but ended up that way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'm not uh, a uh, compliance expert, but I think it's a potential PCI DSS violation if you're storing credit card numbers for transactional purposes and you don't get told to your customer that you're going to be using it, do your fucking AI thing to see if they're shoplifting or scamming the system or whatnot. Oh boy. You can do hack. You, it's not a DSS infringement. Like you can uh, definitely. Uh, like that, the card numbers are stored hashed anyway. Plus, like generally, you have the uh, first six and the last four. To like explicitly use it for a purpose. No, it's as long because it's the the purpose is already for uh, transaction records for a business, so they can they can you know hold it. That's uh, fine. Yeah, it's sketchy, but it's they'll pass. Plus, like most DSS auditors, lol. Yeah. yeah, I'm not an expert in that field at all, but I've been reading the legislation lately, so I was just it piqued my mind. Yeah, it's also interesting that um, this is going to be used on like their own cashiers as well. Like it doesn't mention it really, but um, like that's going to be one of the one of the things that's uh, where it's going to be implemented is to make sure that their own cashiers and their own employees are scanning things correctly. I mean, this reminds uh, me of insider a threat. <laughs> it reminds me of a good story when uh, I, I went to um, the supermarket with my mom actually, and I bought a case of beer. And the guy's like, "No, no, no! Don't put it up on the thing; it's too heavy." Um, and then he didn't scan it, and we left, and we we got a free case of beer. Like, whose fault? <laughs> <is that? laughs> I don't know. So that's. Yeah, that's something that I find really interesting is like with that with that kind of system, you don't have a human element. So it's difficult to have like a, a aspect of forgiveness. So like, let's say, you know, some teenager steals something from Walmart or whatever. Um, is he banned from their stores for life? You know, how do you respond to that um, infraction? And that gives a lot of power to those companies that they probably shouldn't be having. Well, also, this seems like it's just going in for like, um, just like miss scanning or not scanning. Like, uh, it doesn't seem like this is tracking, you know, oh, hey, I just stuck uh, this bottle in my pocket and walked, you know. So it's interesting that it's, that it's, yeah, it's interesting that there's so much uh, like tech being invested in this one bit, which is, uh, I don't know, I don't know how much of, uh, you know, as far as shoplifting, like miss scanning or not scanning or fake scanning accounts for, but yeah, I wonder if this is like really worth like the, the amount of money they're investing in this AI. Is it actually going to save them money on people miss scanning versus like do they lose more money on miss scanning or more money on shoplifting? And is that amount like more or less than the amount it costs to implement ridiculous AI? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's wild, especially with something like Walmart too, where sometimes it's the only place uh, to get groceries in a given area. Yeah. Um, which could fuck you if you some AI thinks that you're a thief because you've have a hard time putting the milk on the counter the right way. Yeah. Well, especially if you have if you have data sharing between companies, right? Like if Walmart decides to go and sell that database to you know whatever company, um, then you could end up really getting fucked very quickly by that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's another element of like younger people as well are you know generally um happy to adopt tech whereas a lot of uh all the folk don't want to go and and use the self-checkout they prefer to be served by someone 
So at what point, you know, is it just simply a case of um, old person fucks up? <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing, really the other thing is that uh, as soon as they have all those fucking uh, police robots open and everywhere, will a police robot uh, <laughs> arrest you if the AI detects that you're stealing? I don't. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a stretch for now, but Thanks yeah, no, I. I mean, if you think about those those systems at stores, like they're already incredibly unreliable. Every single time I go into you know a grocery store and use their point of sale system, it, it is always unreliable. Like there's always something that goes wrong. <laughs> Every single time, uh, you know, I bring in a bag that's too heavy, or I uh, put an item down too quickly. I don't know. It it's already unreliable enough. Unexpected yeah. item and bagging area. And McDonald's has been talking about doing a similar technology that would be a lot less complicated to like, you know, uh, predict your order. And they have not, they've been talking about that for years and it's still not rolled out anywhere that I know of. So in McDonald's in Australia, I don't know about, I haven't used this in America, but there's like touch screens where you yep. where you order, right? And uh, the touch, like there's been multiple cases, like one guy uh, posted a video where he ordered like 10 hamburgers but with no patties and it was actually negative 10 cents and then <laughs> after he ordered 10 he had a dollar credit so he ordered one hamburger you know which is a dollar and then uh free hamburger and they just i mean yeah you could like a bag of empty <laughs> like buns with no patties like isn't that weird to someone oh, that's a great point though that, that kind of system opens up to a lot of new potential problems you know yeah. like with the if you remove the human element, like with shoplifting, for instance, you know, if you can fool that system, then there's probably not going to be as many people checking on you. Absolutely. And to answer that question, I do not think that that is weird for a McDonald's employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have them in, Ma in Massachusetts. It's, they're uh, everywhere. Yo, let's go on. We can rant about McDonald's and, and Walmart all day. Um, please uh, get them on to the next one, which is a bit heavier. Um, this is the U.S. government warning of data wipers used in Iranian cyber attacks. So, oh boy. Yeah, basically the just a warning of the fact that there are certain groups that are deploying malware that just wipes your computer, which is uh, yeah. So shitty though. Yeah, I think it was Shamoon. Shamoon was one of them too. It's also yeah, a question so. of how do we know who's actually doing it? Well, well, attribution is, is tough. Um, yeah. But I think that one of the things is with the wipers, uh, you know, when I was working with the, the MongoDB wiping, there's a bunch of people going through and ripping, ripping out a bunch of servers um, and leaving ransom notes. I think that's one way that they can kind of uh, make it more feasible because it takes a lot of infrastructure to support actually recovering data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's well, all like, grab our attribution dice. Well, I think, I, sorry, what are you going to say, DNZ? Like, think the very first program, like the time, the first time you thought about writing a malicious program in your entire life as like a, you know, like a little kid, what am I going to do with this malware? Oh, I know. I'll delete all the files. Like it's, <laughs> Or make a bunch of files, yeah. Or make a bunch of files. Like, do do some, like, sketchy, like, malicious, boring thing. Like, or make pop-ups until the system crashes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They're, in, 
if, if they're using like proxies and stuff inside of uh, Iran to target, um, you know, uh, US allies or whatever, surely they can think, they can like sort of go, hmm, instead of wiping the data off this machine that contains really sensitive shit, maybe we should exfiltrate it. Like, I don't know, like this, or maybe we should I mean, modify yeah. it or maybe, you know, there's got to be some yeah. better goal than wiping the machines. I feel like this is just showing there's, that they're not very what, good at well, it. What you're describing is like, there's a difference in strategy for an yeah. attack like this. It's, it's not an intelligence gathering type of operation it's a disruption type of operation and like this is very this is the conventional cyber war type of mentality that you see taking place in a lot of different countries right now and it just like it's it's very immature and very much what you say like this is what a, a fourth grader would do yeah it's worth noting that um it doesn't look like you know, like the fake ransomware attacks you've seen in the past too, right? Where it'll wipe everything, be like, oh, by the way, give us money and we'll store it. And then like, uh, so like you would think if it were financially motivated that there would be something like that, like a fake ransom aspect to it at least. Um, okay. But it's just a, it's just a straight wipe, huh? It's just, but it, yeah. Yeah. So then it's probably going for disruption. Um, it's also like you can wipe data a lot faster than you can exfiltrate or encrypt it. Oh yeah. So definitely. If you want to talk about disruption, that's a pretty effective method, especially if you can spread quickly. So a question for you. Um, if we were playing golf, how many opcodes do you think you need to uh to achieve this? <laughs> I mean if you're doing a straight exec VE on there, uh not very many. Probably like <laughs> probably like 35, 36, I can say. Depends on, on how you actually do the operation. But if you're doing something like a DD, that might be a little bit better and it would take a little bit more characters. So let's say there's it's, a par. Let, let's say par is 35. So if anyone can wants to play golf on writing a wiper, uh, you can check out the... Uh, I think it's on, on use uh, GitHub. Can I can post the link. Uh, give me one second. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't think on, 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 yeah, because if you're doing a straight exit BE, um, then you're, it's, it's a lot simpler. There's not a lot of opcodes involved. I'll uh, drop it in the chat. So if this is the kind of thing that they're imagining conventional cyber warfare, as they would call it to be, I'm just curious what other like hack forums, like hack tool, fucking uh, hack pack level, like zip files, good shit they have. Like, what yeah. are they doing? It's, uh, it's stupid. <laughs> It's just, it's not, it's not next level thinking. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I don't, mean, I want to, I, I don't want to let this segment pass without noting though, that the lead here is clearly buried. The, I did not know that the Department of Homeland Security, Cyber and Infrastructure Security Agency is directed by a guy named Krebs. <laughs> <laughs> Surely. Um, yeah, it's going to dox I ran to the ground. <laughs> it's, it's just something I think uh, that if you were putting together a strategic operation of any kind, you would have a little bit more forethought. I mean, it's yes, it's disruptive, but so are DDoS attack. Like DDoSing is disruptive. Turning like they're in a nation; they can just turn off the internet to the building. Like you know, there's other. Well, I mean, it, it's not very. Yeah. I mean, if you look at things like Stuxnet, you know, you have a solid spreading method, then you can really cause a lot of damage. And people yeah. can run around the building unplugging Ethernet cables, but uh, it still doesn't. Yeah. 
Well, there's, there's kind of more to, to that whole story too. Like the, the, that type of operation takes a lot of lead up, right? So you're talking about like months and months and months of planning and operational posturing to get into the position, to do something like that in the first place. And when you're talking about a, a conflict that just kind of popped up like this one did, and not to say that there haven't been, you know, tensions, but like you're still talking about a lot of time of buildup to get to the point where you can do something that's any more complex than just hop on the box and wipe the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, but there's also payloads in, you know, Metasploit um, that are off the shelf. So, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it speaks to their um, level of operational complexity that they're choosing to just go with something like this right off the right off the shelf, like as an actor. Um, because I mean, you would think that any anything that you could compromise enough to wipe, you would be able to also leverage for more complex attacks. So it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. What I think is funny, actually, is uh, by by wiping a box, you're forcing them to install patches. So. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're reinstalling with the latest strip slip. Strip slip. Uh, you know what I'm uh, streamlining. Well, I don't know. I, I would. I think <laughs> I, you might I, be giving yeah. too much credit for that one. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so speaking of Iran, the next story that we have on here is. Uh, just been baffling me for a little bit. So it just says that Trump approves cyber strikes against Iran's missile system. Why would you announce this? That's exactly my first thought. Yeah. So the thing is, is that it specifically says they've been planning them for months and they hit the missile systems and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. So <laughs> you just like unveiled so much of your operation and... I just, I don't get it. I don't get how this is any part of a legitimate strategy. My first thought whether they actually were able to compromise or not. Maybe they tried and they weren't able to, and they just tried to scare them into doing the IR anyways. Do we know if they actually even tried? I mean, it could just be like a flexing thing. You know, you go on Twitter, you say, oh, we hacked Iran, and you look good, I guess. Yeah, yeah but, but it's plausible that our presidency has the same credibility now as like Lizard Squad. <laughs> <laughs> the best quote in the whole article, easily, is uh, from Alyssa Smith. As a matter of policy and for operational security, we do not discuss cyberspace operations, intelligence, or planning. Like, who didn't tell Trump this? I mean, yeah. you know, he was told and he just said, oh, well, that's nice. Ignore. Yeah, well, we're going to let them know that we hacked them. It's like they already know. They already, if you did it, they know. Well, I think he was saying that they were going to. Did he actually say that they had done it? I think that he was just like, we're going to hack you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's part of the strategy. You never know. Like, it's just like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then when he was announcing, like, uh, sanctions, or new sanctions, or whatever. He mentioned the what was it, Ayatollah Khomeini, which passed out, which who died in like the nineties or something. Oh, this is a this is a new uh, one. They have they they had one before, and this is a new same same yeah. name, different guy. Oh, oh, okay. I was, I was about to say because all the stuff on Twitter was like, oh, that guy, he died in like the nineties or eighties. Really old now. It's a different guy. Same name. Oh, go figure. 
That's why we have handles. Right. <laughs> Are we sure it's not a vampire? Uh, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of the things that I've just been kind of thinking about. Like, I don't, I don't get why you would say this. Um, yeah. But I think any news that comes out about it, we can't believe. Like, if they say we attacked this missile thing, or like we disrupted these missile attacks, or whatever, you don't you wouldn't say that. You don't know that. I mean, I guess that's where freedom of information maybe could help in some years' time. You know, huh. to look back in hindsight, but not yeah. today. And then the Iranian like office official people went on to turned around and called the president like mentally handicapped or something. <laughs> yeah. The moral of the story I mean, is they're not wrong, but <laughs> you know, no one's gonna know how big your dick is unless you tell them, right? Like, <laughs> that's that's Great. the that's the real Great. strategy here. If you they actually call him mentally handicapped. Well, yeah. mentally retarded, but yeah. The, uh, the the discourse has really devolved down to like a, uh, a Call of Duty level interaction. <laughs> right, exactly. It's <laughs> all the world leaders. Beat off you in your router. You better not use your home IP. How much well, you want to bet the next password. thing they're going to do is like say they banged his mom or something? That's coming. <laughs> yeah. So all the world leaders are uh, just in one big Discord yeah. server. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit posting um, on 4chan. <laughs> yeah, so, um, the, speaking of cyber attacks, this one's interesting too. So this is a cyber attack that hits uh, police forensic work. So, what's interesting about this to me is that if they're doing an investigation into somebody and they're holding like legally admissible um, information, you know, evidence about somebody, it's like the perfect target to hit. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, and, I thought about yeah. that as well, but. At the same time, they're talking about physical evidence, so we're not talking about digital forensics here. It's like we're talking about physical forensics, so you know, um, yeah. resequencing DNA and, and toxicology and stuff like that. So probably, I think it's likely that if there was like some cases, there'll obviously be a backlog to uh, re put things back into digital mode. But I think a lot of the things are going to be bagged up and stored in evidence lockers somewhere for reanalysis if, if need be so it's a good yeah. target though it's, it's, a, it's a good idea um i mean it's a bad idea it's a terrible idea don't do it but it, from the perspective of an attacker it's you know it's a pretty interesting way to go about it i'd also be interested to see like um i know that for instance you look at malware campaigns there's a lot of competition between uh different actors so i'd be interested to see if people you know, like you could probably use that information to take down somebody else or plant info or give tips. Well, this, this one's a little misleading because it, it leads you to believe that this is like a targeted thing, but it it looks like it's some kind of ransomware campaign, which like everyone, everyone gets hit by this stuff. I'm not sure that this is unique to this yeah. forensics lab. Well, the specific, specifically though, just hearing about it being a forensics lab is an interesting target to think about in terms of like, if you were to do a spear pissing campaign to get your buddy who is, you know, being held up in court about something um, to destroy evidence. Um, yeah. If it was like, like, who was that? The Russian guy who hacked his, tried to hack his friend out of jail and then they both went to jail? Together? Yeah, no, <laughs> I forget <laughs> who that guy was, but that, that was cool. Yeah, so I, I think with the ransomware thing as well, like, wouldn't it be very easy to just blame ransomware? It's like, oh, forgot to put Tor on, blame Anonymous. You know, like um, using an off-the-shelf uh, ransomware um, variant and then just like throwing it at your target and having them deal with it. 
you might be able to guarantee disruption enough. Guarantee some sort of destruction. I don't know. This feels like a uh, familiar conversation. <laughs> it definitely undermines the credibility of the forensics lab. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, don't, I, I sort of think as well, though, that uh, they're a little bit like their expertise is not in, like, obviously not in digital forensics. So, I mean, they could have some really smart science men working there but some really poor computer people working there. Uh, I don't know that that makes a difference to the lawyers, right? Like the lawyers, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's exactly the kind of thing that they'd love to have to say, yeah, but look at this. Yeah. How do we know that the, that the evidence has been maintained yeah. properly, et cetera, et cetera. You yeah, introducing doubt, which is all you have to do. Um, also there's, I mean, not that I've necessarily seen it or, but has anyone ever gone through with like a targeted attack and then covered it up with ransomware? Like, has that been a thing we've actually seen anywhere? Uh, I mean, well, there's definitely been, you know, people use a box for dirt, even if it's a jump box and then RM it. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's been specifically ransomware. Uh, pro tip, don't RM boxes, just clean the logs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you can use the elite log cleaner in the uh, episode uh, show notes from a couple weeks ago <laughs> it's like that gif with the uh where the guy where the koala or whatever is is pouring gasoline and throw, throws his cigarette behind him and then it like some some water tower or something explodes in the background oh yeah, yeah. very true <laughs> it's like rm tech rf in uh uh depicted or something Oh, speaking of which, I just finished writing um, the uh, RMRF binary golf, so we'll see how big it is in a second. Um, yo, so the next story that we have here is this uh, Verizon um, BGP optimizer knocking oh. um, parts of the internet off of offline, uh, Cloudflare. So, Optimized. <laughs> yes. So this is pretty uh, pretty bad, I that, guess. That word. Um, take on it. That word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> So Verizon, I mean, I guess uh, pre-Verizon, MCI, WorldCom, like all these companies that are now Verizon, um, right. they've all had a lot of like clout with early internet, I guess, and they've kept it. So uh, I guess this is what happens when things, you know, I wouldn't say that I've worked there, but if I had worked at one of those places, um, I would be worried. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's uh, a lot of outsourcing and stuff of, uh, and acquisitions have happened over the years. So who runs what is probably a very big, like, you know, the company has the name, the company has the clout, but who's the people behind it still? It's interesting that, um, you know, it seems like the optimizer part implies that this is just some like automatic function that just happened. Right. It's just like, oh, this seems like a good route. And it was not a good route. Terrible, in fact. Horrible. <laughs> uh, I think it goes back you know, to the whole the whole replay thing, right? Like you have a, a service that blindly replays information. That's gonna cause some problems. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the problems that are sorry, I was like, really distracted. Uh, the problems with uh, BGP here 
are um, <laughs> are like just going to happen. And it's just like as these sort of things keep happening, I don't know. It just I, I feel like I don't I don't ever see anything that seems like it would be the way to go for something to replace them on a PGP or to supplement it in a way that is safe because there's just too much trust that can happen. And even trying to optimize things like that's, that's the issue is that when, when something is, is being, any route is being advertised on BGP that seems to be faster, the system will just automatically just say, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And so you can realistically do that with anything. And it's just like, that's not, that's not the same way to, to do global networking. I think penalizing organizations that improperly broadcast routes is going to be something that is probably going to start to happen more. Absolutely. Uh, I remember recently, yeah, recently it happened. I think they, they managed to, to block off a provider completely a couple months ago, right? I think it happens pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, this is a different case, though, because this is, uh, you know, Verizon, like, sending its own sh shit somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like, this is almost the almost the exact opposite of what we usually see. Where someone's taking someone else's traffic and and sending it to them. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes that happen. I mean, it's awesome. Um, what, is it, what is it? BGP Mom. What's the website that you can visualize the rerouting? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, BGP Stream. I think. Yeah. BGP Stream. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can look at it with. You know, with tons of different APIs and stuff to to monitor this kind of thing. Um, oh. But yeah, it's interesting to see like how frequent it happens. And, and there's there's you know miss you know, misbroadcast routes, but you know, they don't do as much damage, I guess, yeah. something like this where it would affect, you know, so much. Yeah, Actually, it turns out it's BGP Mon. I, I, yeah. So, uh, Dasho in the chat said BGP and SCP were built without a realistic model for threat actors, and it needs to be done from uh, scratch eventually, which mm -hmm. I totally agree with. Like, that, you know, the, the trust based model, I've said it on the show many times before, just doesn't fit this anymore. Um, it may have when there was like six, you know, six main sort of broadcasting uh, peers, like, but it's not the case anymore. So let's reevaluate, get some real big, big brain, galaxy brain, BGP nerds to come up with a replacement. Um, <laughs> and that would be good. I hope they're working on it already. You have to get the adoption to happen, though, which would be difficult. Like IPv6 makes perfect fucking sense, but who's still using it? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean the trust thing, right? It's uh, something you could lay on top of uh, another system, which I think is how it's going to have to go. Right, you're going to have to uh, lay some sort of trust on top of it. Yeah, I, like.